0: This is Punk Rock and Politics, and today is February 6th, 2018, and this is episode number 53. Let's do this. These days are strange, it's true. I would bomb the shit out of them.
1: If you think that punk rock doesn't mix with politics, you're wrong.
0: Welcome to Punk Rock and Politics. Today we'll be talking with political activist Daniel Roy Barron about homelessness in the United States and how the private prison industrial complex profits off of the current homeless epidemic. And what can we do to help these people in need?
2: But it's you know not giving up on that childlike trust and to reach out and say, hey, uh, you're another human being and I have compassion.
0: All that and more on today's episode. So let's get to the political mosh pit, but first, Here's the news of the week.
2: Here's what's making news.
0: At the request of American manufacturers, President Trump puts tariffs on solar panels and washing machines, which is a 30% on imported solar panels and 20% tariff on washing machines. Supporters say it will help with creating manufacturing jobs, but critics say the tariffs could start a trade war. President Trump goes to Davos. And is greeted by protesters.
3: Why live? Why Why live? Why live?
0: Well, it's actually not a protest because here in Davos we are not able to have a protest as uh, the authority says because of the snow. So, what are we doing is we are just uh, marching and chanting with our little banners that we have and taking a little midnight stroll. At the economic summit, Trump promoted an anti globalist agenda and defended his nationalistic rhetoric to the other world leaders. And President Trump threatens withholding aid to Palestine if they do not seek peace with Israel, and due to them disrespecting him. Here's President Trump on the issue.
4: When they disrespected us a week ago by not allowing our great vice president to see them, and we give them hundreds of millions of dollars in aid and support. Tremendous numbers. Numbers that nobody understands. That money is on the table, and that money is not going to them unless they sit down and negotiate peace. Because I can tell you that Israel does want to make peace, and they're going to have to want to make peace, too. Or we're going to have nothing to do with it any longer.
0: President Trump had his first official State of the Union, and here are some of the highlights, or lowlights, depending on how you look at it.
4: The State of our Union is strong, because our people are strong.
0: And he addressed the economy.
4: Since the election, we have created 2.4 million new jobs. And just as I promised the American people from this podium, 11 months ago, we enacted the biggest tax cuts and reforms in American history.
0: He also talked about energy and beautiful clean coal.
4: We have ended the war on American energy, and we have ended the war on beautiful clean coal.
0: He also talked about his plans for infrastructure.
4: I'm calling on Congress to produce a bill that generates at least $1.5 trillion for the new infrastructure investment.
0: He addressed the opioid epidemic.
4: My administration is committed to fighting the drug epidemic and helping get treatment
0: for those in need. And finally, President Trump went full neocon, promoting more war and promising to keep Guantanamo Bay open. Next, he's going to be promoting torture, just like Bush and Cheney.
4: I am proud to report that the coalition to defeat ISIS has liberated very close to 100% of the territory just recently held. By these killers, I am asking Congress to end the dangerous defense sequester and fully fund our great military. I just signed, prior to walking in, an order directing Secretary Mattis to keep open the detention facilities in Guantanamo Bay.
0: The Republican House memo has been released, and it is a section of a 50,000-page report regarding the Steele dossier and the FISA courts. The Democratic Party is set to release a version of their own memo, and President Trump needs to approve it in order for it to be released. So we'll see how that goes. And in economic news, the Dow falls over 1,000 points in a single trading day with one of the largest drops ever. We'll see if this is just a correction or the beginning of something larger. On this day in rock history, February 6th, 1958, George Harrison joined the Liverpool group The Quarryman, which eventually became the band The Beatles. Oh blah dee, oh blada and that's the news of
3: the week.
0: What's up, my fellow political junkies? As you know, here on the Punk Rock and Politics podcast, we try to mix music and political activism or focus on social issues. And today is going to be a very cool episode in the fact that we'll be featuring a political activist, Daniel Roy Barron, and highlight previous bands who have been on the podcast. But first, about Daniel Roy Barron. Daniel is a homeless activist, but what I think is amazing is that he is personally living the homeless lifestyle in order to understand the homeless epidemic firsthand. Daniel is currently staying in hostels across the U.S., and he documents his journeys on his website, Win-Win Internationals. I'm honored to feature Daniel on today's episode and give him this platform to share his stories. But before we get to the interview, we'll hear some music from Trapdoor Social. Trapdoor Social has done so much when it comes to promoting solar power and green energy. So much so that the lead singer, Skylar funk puts on a music festival that's 100% powered by solar power that's called Sunstalk. So before we get to the interview with Daniel Roy Barron, here's Sunshine by Trapdoor Social.
1: To take you in my hands It's everything I wanted but Nothing I can stand I can't go back Because I've seen The way The sun can fall down You gotta fill it up with sunshine You gotta make up Much closer now, but the distance grows instead Your words are like a symphony reaching for my soul A melody that turns and soars and always leaves me cold I can't go back because I've seen A glimpse of what the world could be You gotta fill it up with sunshine You gotta make up your mind
0: trapdoor social sunshine. And today, we're kind of changing it up a little bit. Like I said before, uh, we're going to have a political activist here joining our station. And his name is on the Punk Rock and Politics podcast. His name is Daniel Roy Barron.
2: Hey, what's up, Daniel? Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate all that you do to shine a bright light on what's broken so that we know how to fix it. And we've got a lot of broken stuff in America and worldwide that we can really Uh, sink our teeth into on the show today. Thanks for Punk Rock Politics Podcast. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, definitely. I
0: love that. Uh, A lot of stuff to shine on um, and kind of segue right from that previous song we just played that was Trapdoor Social Sunshine. So, Like I was saying, Daniel, he's a political activist and, I mean, a writer and he runs a website and all sorts of stuff that we're going to get into, but he doesn't have music per se. And, you know, here on the Punk Rock and Politics podcast, I'm all about playing music and getting into the political mosh bit. So I was kind of thinking, how can I get previous bands have been on the podcast and bring them on? Who should I pick? So I decided I was going to pick... Since you were a political activist, I decided to play, pick other bands who have been politically active in a way. And that band, Trapdoor Social, they do, uh, their shows are 100%, um, solar powered. They do a festival up in LA and they're all about reusing green energy. And they actually have a bus and their stage that they could pull up anywhere and play a show anywhere, 100% completely solar powered. So that's Trapdoor Social. And we'll kind of keep on that theme today. But back to Daniel and man, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the Punk Ark and Politics podcast. And like I was saying, you have a blog that a blog website and a YouTube channel. It focuses on all sorts of political
2: issues. And you also have a bunch of ebooks. Can you go into that? Well, the website is winwinternationals.com. It has an S on the end, just win win. And it's about how do our have nots, homeless minorities, uh, disenfranchised, how do we start winning again? And you know, we've seen such an extreme shift since Trump has taken office uh, from the Obama days, and many people are crying in the political soup about having lost uh, Obama as president. Um, there was a lot of things from a progressive agenda, and I really, I did a video on uh, Bernie Sanders uh, should be our president, but he was cheated. Yeah. Uh, we're basically living in a system where people are selected and not elected yeah. by the elites, you know, I encourage people to go check out anything that I say or talk about. And I'm very vocal. And I've got my own talk show, a YouTube channel. It's also on youtube.com. It's win-win internationals. Um, Some incredible uh, activist stuff that I've encountered about helping our homeless. Uh, Operation Urban Shield was a really powerful video about when you look at this new police uh, state that we live in, George Orwell. This is 1984. I read that book many years ago, even before 1984. And I'm like, waking up where there's video cameras everywhere. So I'm into repealing the uh, Patriot Act and also the fact that we now just lost the net neutrality where corporations are gonna dominate our internet. one of our last bastions of freedom. And thank God for shows like Punk Rock Politics Podcast because I'm worried that, will we still even have uh, freedom of speech? But uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Bernie Sanders, feel the burn. I've been living out of a backpack since 2011, I go by Backpack is one of my many nicknames, but it's uh my my slogan is fill the backpack, and his is fill the burn, and so I I do salute him and that he tried to make a difference, and he really should be our president right now, and as we're going into 2018.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's a funny statement, feel the backpack, because I was 100% Bernie Sanders, feel the burden. I I, I totally agree. He did get cheated out. And we're gonna have a lot to talk about coming up. Um, But before that, you're on a water and hunger fast. I saw that on your Twitter, actually. So are you still fasting? And what what are you fasting for?
2: I'm on day three, and I decided I did a seven-day water fast, and I put salt, like high-quality salt, not table salt, which yeah. is really bad for you, like Himalayan salt or salt, like sea salt. Uh-huh. So I'm on day three right now, and it, it's also for health. I it, It's huge uh, benefits for health. I was actually suffering from worms in my stomach, and a lot of people have the worms. This was last year, and since oh, wow. been able to get past that, but a lot of people have it. A lot of the people that are somewhat overweight it's actually a bunch of worms in their belly. And it's very, very common. And it's something that I've hit on that nobody's even talking about. A lot of our suffering, especially anybody who has any weight to them, it's more than likely worms. And it's something that our medical system is not addressing at all. This is huge. I've, I've touched on some layers of the onion of America that nobody's even talking about That A lot of the big pharmacy and a lot of the Products that we take are actually causing these worms in our body. And uh, I'm a huge uh, advocate for cannabis. I recently really smashed up my head really bad in the desert. I had to save money. Uh, I hit, hit my head on the road. I was uh, all wet, and I had to sleep. Try to sleep like with hypothermia going on. But fortunately, I was in, Cal- in Campo, California, at the start of the Pacific Crest Trail. And hiking the trails has been a big part of my journey as well. Mm-hmm. Going between the in the trails, best I can and to really understand America, it's got to be the wilderness and the city. So I've mm-hmm. done a lot of that, but there's a lot of layers to, I guess using the word onion uh, about America that um, we really got to shine a light on so that we can get past all this. And uh, so one of my many slogans is, uh, I put the pot in POTUS is to make it legal. The one thing that really did get me through this pain from hitting my head was smoking pot. And uh, I, I, it is pricey, though. In San Diego, I pay $15 a gram, but I'm glad that it's available now. Yeah. It's recreational, and now we need to make it legal at the federal level.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, and that's one thing that the Democrats really haven't stepped on board yet all the way. I mean, you, you Bernie Sanders was, but Obama wasn't at all, and Hillary wasn't. And it almost kind of makes you wonder— Is it because they honestly think it is as bad as heroin, or are they just don't want to do it because of the pharmaceutical company's profits? And I mean, that's really good to hear that you were able to use something other than pharmaceutical painkillers because I just, we, I recently just did a show with Brandon from American standards. He's out located out in Arizona and the opioid epidemic is, it's horrific and how many people have been killed or their lives have been destroyed by it. It's just, it's devastating. So. All right. Well, le- before we get into uh, a bunch of this other um, political mosh pit, le- let's uh, hear one more song. And this is a band, Protected Left. And Mario, the lead singer, um, I think you would really appreciate what he's doing. He's working with an organization up in the Bay Area. They're called Punks with Lunch. And they go around and they feed homeless um, people around the Bay Area. And then they also do a needle exchange program to try to help people uh so they don't you know pass around um diseases and then they also have rehabilitation facilities that they could help or bring people to those facilities so it's a really awesome organization um punks with lunch and mario he's working with it and so that's really cool so i'm going to keep on that theme so let's check out their song and then we'll get back into the conversation so here's absolution by protected left Solution by the protected left and keeping on this theme of you know helping the homeless and everything let's get into the political mosh pit and one thing daniel you were saying uh as we were kind of talking before is you want to make america a country again kind of like holland so what, what did you exactly did you mean by that
2: well i'm on day three of this water fast and i'm looking at At least maybe 10 days of going into this uh, to protest. Uh, You know, I'm walking in the steps of Gandhi and many of the other freedom fighters, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Greta King, Scott King, his wife, and um, many, many others, Thich Nhat Hanh, who is a monk uh, from Vietnam. And it walks away from the indulgences that we have. I mean, I would love to right now be at Whole Foods and eating their chocolate Mm -hmm. coconut cookie, which I love. And I did a video just recently, it's the most current one from Whole Foods, where there's a homeless person sleeping outside. And it's realizing I've stayed in homeless shelters. I've been in several across the country. I've been in Oklahoma, Salvation Army. I was at this uh, a church-related one in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, which is my hometown. And I've been uh, the cross-section of these homeless shelters. I was at a really good one in Alamosa, Colorado called La Fuenta that I really uh, want to encourage the, as a more of a role model of how they should be. Uh, it was very humane. Um, and it wasn't a corporation, though. They didn't do... All these things like checking my card and stuff. So, when I was at the one, in, it's called Karm, Knoxville Area Rescue Mission in Knoxville. Uh, mm-hmm. One guy happened to lose his card, and I confronted the uh, manager there. I said, Wait a minute. Uh, he should be able to eat his lunch without having his card, but they've got to report it statistics to the government. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's so the that, card
0: like your ID card or drive? Like- yeah,
2: give you a homeless ID card. And I, oh. I used to have it. I finally got rid of it. I took a picture of it to save it for the archives. but. <laughs> you know, it's the idea that um, it's still a corporation, though. It's all about making money. And, and so the guy wasn't able to eat only because he didn't have his card and wow. somebody stole his phone. And it's like, I was like, well, hey, I'll, I'll give him my lunch. You know, I was talking to the manager and the guy claimed to be this Jesus uh, fan. And, uh, you know, that's an area, too. I'm not a fan of where religion has been and historically. It's just been uh, really uh, holding us back as humanity and, yeah. and to a lot of those issues that, that we have. So that was, a. have had some incredible moments of traveling and seeing, you know, and I understand now where if it's the choice between living on the streets or going to homeless shelter, I'd much rather take my risk on the streets. I did that in Denver. I was at a park. Um, I slept there and I got woken up by some kind of Terminator robot. I guess it was a person. It sounded like a robot though. And they said, oh, you can't sleep in this park. It was like 4am, you, you know, the park is closed. And so I grabbed all my shit, got out of there with my backpack. And it was one of those moments where it just creates more uh, PTSD. And, you know, and I, actually I went to the Denver homeless shelter and I was going to stay there that night, but it was so horrific. Just people waiting in line and it was during the summer. So it wasn't oh, as brutally, yeah. but you know, so I've personally have felt these issues, but I, my heart goes out to the people in Minnesota right now who are suffering with incredibly cold, you know, negative weather. Yeah. Uh, it's also the reality. I. And I know, personally, other people I, I've talked with from who stayed in homeless shelters in Salt Lake City, and I was just about to stay there, but then I heard it's just so rough. You know, if you have any inkling, just stay outside, you know, and, and I totally get it now. And most people don't get that. They've, yeah,
0: I I was having a really good conversation with a few of my liberal friends, but they don't live here in California. They live over in the Midwest area, I think, but they're in red, conservative red states, and they were, they posted an article about how Jerry Brown, we have a, Here in California, I think a $6 billion surplus or something. And they're saying, oh, look how great Jerry Brown is and how great California is. And I was kind of, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just because California is a blue state and we have some progressive uh, issues that we do are good on here, it doesn't mean that California is some sort of paradise or utopia. And the homeless camps and the amount of people who are on the street It's just it's horrible. And what here is specifically in San Diego, what they're trying to do, they'll end up getting a parking lot and then just get a bunch of tents uh, like camping tents and just put those in the parking lot and say, oh, well, there there we go. That's a homeless shelter. And I mean, in my opinion, that's completely unacceptable because the only time if you want to or have to sleep in a tent is if you're camping, unless if you want to Sleep in a tent in your backyard or on somewhere, but that it, it doesn't, it, it's not a homeless shelter putting a tent in the parking lot. Have you seen these? And also, they're very strict about who goes in and who's, goes out. I'm sure you might have had firsthand experience with some of this.
2: Oh, yeah. I just went down in San Diego and I was checking out some of the homeless services there and I saw just one tent after another, you know, around Imperial Avenue and in yes. that area. And it, it, when we walked through there, you see people just all camped out. So one of the solutions that I see would be that, and I see that businesses could help step up to the plate and build these hostels. I've been living out, I'm actually talking with you from a hostel here, a hostel of Bibi over in Hillcrest. Mm-hmm. And it's been an interesting, I did some videos here too to show where I love, I'm a very uh, advocate for uh, LGBTQ. Uh, and I went to the center and I just checked out like their schedule and things that they do to help. And that's one of the areas I'm looking at A gay pride flag, you know, in the hostel. And I've been living in hostels now since 2011. I fell in love with this and I've met people from all over the world. And it's helped me give a better perspective and realizing that Holland and other countries like Sweden, which has transparency laws and um, my background is quality assurance of 16 years and using quality assurance in government is what I'd like to see us do using a lot of the great things that we have like Six Sigma, ISO 9000. We're, we have a bunch of, uh, different committees that talk about stuff and they create these reports, but nobody really acts on them. Mm -hmm. But as far as helping the homeless, a big issue could be that if all the businesses step up to the plate, maybe 5% tax, and it goes to these hostels that we could build that are humane and good places that are checked out and monitored, make sure, you know, and that's one of the big issues. Here's one of the huge things that a lot of people don't get. It's in the seventies, we used to have these uh, state mental hospitals problem was that they were very uh, shitty places. And yeah. um, Geraldo Rivera, he, the famous reporter, I know people are old enough to remember that, but he got his career because he exposed how horrible these places were, very inhumane. So the, the idea is it has to be a human being, humane place. I mean, you know, and, and the solution is don't, uh, people would not be in tents. They would be living in these hostels with yeah. bunk beds and opportunities. There is a Salvation Army program here. Um, meets at 8 a.m. on Monday, and I thought about going to it, uh, where they help you get going um, to at least understand what they're doing. uh, So it meets every Monday at 8 a.m. in San Diego, and they um, will help you get a house and a job. So I've heard mixed things about that as well. But, you know, at least there's something to help because there's other countries, and it's realizing like Africa and Asia, where if you're uh, struggling, you know, there's no social services. But I put us up to a higher standard, a higher quality assurance yeah, human being Exact. In that we're a first world country. Exactly. You know, we're not yes, exactly okay. I'm
0: really happy you hit on that about how we had used to have the um, giant facilities where we would just essentially send all anyone who with, you know, mental uh illness or anything problem or if a family was rich enough and kind of wanted to just get a- rid of someone they would just ship them all off to these facilities and like you were saying they were they were really ho- horrific a lot of them were doing a uh, shock therapy also that a lot of them were still performing lobotomies up until the you know 60s and 70s when it was way proven that it was not <laughs> there was no benefit of performing a lobotomy. So these facilities were uh, horrendous and they were arcane and there were – a lot of them were uh, – they would have to sleep in their own you know urine and their own feces and they were just – they were unkept. They weren't clean. And what happened is Reagan essentially in the 80s just shut them all down and sent everyone out to community care – uh, System-based, which is a good idea. However, y- it's it's just crazy to me how we go from one extreme of these big facilities that we housed everyone in, into now we went all the way to the other other extreme, doing community-based systems where a lot of people will stay in certain houses or they'll go to different programs or day programs around the city. But it's like, why can't we have a happy medium where we do have? Big facilities that can't house some people who can't really operate in in these community based ones. It, it doesn't make sense how we have to go back and forth, and we can't keep it humane. And one thing with the businesses, though, the businesses they're they're kind of almost the problem because they're all upset that there's homeless around their neighborhood and right, you know, walking up and down downtown. But instead of, like you said, trying to put together an organization to help people, they're just calling the police to get, shoo the homeless away from their property.
2: Exactly. You just hit on something that's huge. And it's from um, when i talk with you, it's not just from myself. It's from thousands of stories, but I met a lady from Canada and she said the police there If you're homeless, they'll come over to you and say like, how can I help you? How can we get your situation, your life better? Here is how fast can we lock you up in the private prisons? And if you go to WinWinInternationals.com, I just did a breaking story about the private prisons and how it's still the Jim Crow slave labor. And if you and I, Michael, if we walk into a, any stockholder and they say, what's a good investment? They would would tell us, uh, you know, they would say buy private prison stock. There's one called Civic Core. Their shares are at $22 a share right now. That's all based on slave labor. They own a shitload of these private prisons um that we should ban, and I don't know why we still have them because you say you say, know,
0: you like, say it's slave labor. You might need to explain to some of the listeners who might not quite understand. they're like, well, these people are criminals. they're in prison. How is it slave labor? Because they're forced to work or well, they're giving the option to work and do, you know certain uh factory type jobs but they're getting paid what five ten cents an hour or a day very very and that's how it's essentially slave labor right correct
2: right and there was a really powerful youtube video is even since america got out of 1865 when the civil war was supposedly over um these elites figured out that they could make more money off of keeping people in the jails and there's not a connection like if you had a slave and let's say you paid ten dollars for a slave in in the southern United States you still had that ten dollars of work to that person but now that those person's thrown in a jail you don't even have that ten dollar connection so there's absolutely no value you don't the, the elite the elites and the leaders they don't care if that person dies or not in the jail or what they make or how you know how they you know I even want to say why can't they even vote you know it's like why did they yes. lose the right to yes. vote or yes uh,
0: yeah mm-hmm. I agree yeah so I agree yeah
2: like our prison system and our whole society and we have these military uh, cyborg and that speaks again to that urban shield thing where it's we've got these they're buying these vehicles where we feel like we're in iraq and most people are afraid of the police and mm-hmm. so much police brutality some of the ideas that i have is for police to use more verbal judo and not even have a gun in certain ci- circumstances where if they pull somebody over in their vehicle there's no gun involved because that that just creeps everybody out is the fact that all these police have these heavy uh, artillery yeah. and why should they even have a gun as they approach a vehicle? Um, you know, it, it's a tough, these are tough issues, tough, tough mm-hmm. no, times that we're going.
0: Oh yeah. Super tough. And the militarization of the police force is what, you know, what you're going to through. And that's totally right. I mean, I see it uh, everywhere. Uh, and the craziest thing is people in small towns, they see it, they see their town, of, you know, 10, 20,000 getting a giant tank for their SWAT unit. And it's like, why do they need a tank? But uh, back to like the police and homeless here in San Diego again, one thing they've been doing is going through and then they'll go and take their tent and take all their stuff and they'll give them a ticket. And it's like, how are, how is someone who's sleeping on the side of the road, who is in a tent, who obviously has nothing, you just took every possession that they own and threw it in a in a garbage truck right in front of them. And, you know, and a lot of times if they have pets or dogs, they always take the, the pets away and, and then they give them a ticket. How are these, how are these people supposed to pay these tickets? And then if you get enough of these tickets, is that how they can lock you up? Is that how that works?
2: Yeah, I just met a guy named John. I'm glad you raised that point. This is a great interview. Thanks for yes. having us. Uh, I met him. He's living homeless. He's originally from Africa. His, name, his first name was John. And I just met him when I was in Mission Beach, and I'm actually going to go back there later today. I uh, staying in a hostel there, and I got to go to some of the free meals and just kind of check out what the homeless situation is. He actually was living out of his car, and he was doing okay. And then he got arrested, and then he lost his van, and now he's on the streets. Mm-hmm. So we need to be more discerning. The police do, uh, you know. If you take that vehicle away, there's a whole different level of if someone can somehow manage to be living in their car versus living um, with a backpack or whatever on the street or no no pack or nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, once that there's a lot of people who are just hovering above homeless, and that, that's been my situation. I've just had just about uh, just enough money to where I can kind of be okay but then if I run out of money then I have to go to a homeless shelter or something like that. So um, that was a very powerful story and that's a true story of somebody who if he was still in his van at least he might have some level of chance of yeah and there's a lot of day shelters where you can go in shower and they'll have a meal or you know have some clothing that you could have and and so he's just another statistic of where once he lost his vehicle he's in a whole other level of kind of I want to say hell, homeless hell. Of, it's how a, does he, It's a spiral.
0: It's like a downward spiral, and once but, you get caught in it, it's really, really hard to get out. And a lot, and it also causes. I, I think you said earlier PTSD and and depression. I'm sure, and I'm sure amongst many other things. And also, a lot of people who are in that position might already have um, some sort of issue. But okay, so you were talking about John who he had a car and, you know, he was down on his luck. And I think a lot of people who do have a house, let's go one level up. Like you were saying, people are barely floating to survive. They're one paycheck away from being homeless. And a lot of them don't realize that they're that close. Or if, let's say, you know, another 2008 financial collapse happens, how many people are actually going to fall apart because they haven't quite recovered from the last crash that happened you know what oh geez about 10 years ago so a lot of the people in the middle america suburban white america i don't think they even understand that something like this could happen to them until it actually does and that's why it's not a bigger issue than it really is these a lot of these people i just hear oh just arrest them or just shoo them away or just you know and it's or a lot of times people always say talk tell me i shouldn't just give people money but i give people money you know if someone asks for money if i have a couple bucks i give them a couple bucks i don't care what they're gonna buy with it because i'm privileged enough to have you know at least enough money to survive for now i should be able to share and but no one thinks like that and no one else understands if we all just kind of help each other out a little bit humanity we might Humanity might not sink down to that level, but here with the rent being so high and it keeps going up, I don't really see a solution to this issue. I only see it getting worse.
2: Well, that's where we, uh if we do start inserting Make America a country um, like Holland, you know, I want to say in some regards, we've never been a country because the 13th Amendment for the dollars, it really makes the corporations human beings when any average person living on the street, this 13th Amendment was a uh, study that Holland doesn't have that where they're into socialism and socialism. We're already a socialist country. We need to admit that. And I love a lot of the aspects of capitalism, but I'm also about promoting the mom and pop stores who are really struggling and the small businesses over the corporate uh, we lose identity. And so one of the things I'm exploring in my books and my talks, I'm the author of Looking Glass Shattered, which is really shattering America, doing an autopsy on America since 1970s, you know, taking the time. Most people don't have the time to see what has changed. You know, I call it the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful and the overcoming. But most importantly, how do we overcome? But looking at Holland and then looking at Boston, where they do town hall meetings to decide what's going on locally, we we can end all the wars. We're dropping 72 bombs a day right now yeah, um, yeah. in other countries, and it's like end our wars. Use all that money to help the people. And uh, President Eisenhower said a famous quote: "You know, one carrier. If we stop building this one carrier, we could build like I don't know hundreds of schools around America instead of this one carrier." He made that famous quote, but then he kept building carriers. So I don't really feel, in a lot of ways, America has ever been a country. When you look at it from the have not, the disenfranchised, the minor, minority perspective, we, we've never been a country. So it's hard for me to say the make America a country. I did another video on my YouTube channel that, you know, these MAGA or the make Make America great uh, again slogan from what Trump had, they were built in slave shops. A lot of his merchandising <laughs> comes from like there's. Yeah. Stuff uh-huh. right now in
0: yeah from china yeah he's like i'm gonna bring the jobs back but then all of his his silk ties and all this shit is made in china and it's like well you're right that's
2: you know yeah people are china and japan because of that work ethic there's a whole terminator kind of cyborg thing with this uh i call it we're in a face to screen generation where everybody's looking at the screen and i grew up you know with no technology i had a rotary phone i had black and white tv we didn't even have cable and when i was a Really, in the early 1970s, we've seen tremendous changes. We just haven't had a chance to take a deep breath and do an autopsy. You know what has happened? Yeah. Um, I'm. i I've got 16 years of technology experience. I'm sitting in front of a. I was a cubicle commando, is what I call it, for years. So <laughs> I had the experience, and I love technology, and it's great. But it's also looking at where are we going. And one of the things I want to point out on the show too is that. Uh, Hanson Robotics just came out with Sophia, who just became a citizen. Oh, yeah. Saudi-, Saudi Arabia. Yeah, and what the so- hell is going on with artificial intelligence? And this Sophia robot, I recommend everybody go check out uh, the video. We, we should put in some really strong, even a constitutional amendment that I see to bring back equal rights for homeless, uh, equal rights for human beings. Um, where we're going, we need something really strong like that and, and an equal rights amendment where everybody gets a, a livable wage because people can't even, I just did a post on Twitter about that. People can't afford to even, uh, there's homeless people who have a job, but they can't afford a house yeah. because of the rent. So or, high
0: there or they're living uh, eight people in a two bedroom apartment. I know people here in San Diego who are living like that because it's so expensive and they're working full time, by the way, you know, so it, it, it gets to the point where it's so expensive. and like you're saying, the richer getting well, the rich are getting richer, and everyone else is kind of just sinking down or just barely floating. To survive, and like you said, I oh, I I'm really happy you hit on AI because I always kind of like drop AI in the last episode. I was I dropped virtual reality and augmented reality on on the guest uh, Trevor from the last band, and he was kind of like, uh, what you know, because I'd kind of dropped out of left field. But I'm really happy you did bring up AI and oh, well, artificial intelligence and also um, automation. But technology is making everything easier. It's streamlining things. So it's making right now profits are at an all-time high. Productivity is at an all-time high. However, wages have been stagnant since the 80s. So it's who's really benefiting from right now the robots and the AI and all of this technology? It certainly isn't anyone in the middle to lower class or anyone really other than the top, you know, five,
2: 10%. Yeah, that's true. An- another key element that a lot of us are missing is that I studied this in college. Like his, his name is Deming. He was considered the father of both artificial intelligence and quality assurance. He's the one who came up with all these ideas about time studies and performance. And, you know, he, in the 1950s, uh, he, he, he went to Japan and and they loved his programs and that's why we have the Hondas and the and these great cars. But you know it, there was a big thing about all the suicides in Japan and and China from people working these slave shops. You know we're making crappy wages, cramped all together, mm-hmm. so they're killing themselves. But the one aspect that Deming uh, didn't get, and this is huge, that nobody's ever talked about. This is this is a very unique thing. Is that He never incorporated human being into any of his quality assurance or AI stuff, you know, about, it's all about process procedure, but it doesn't have, and I actually used to work at UPS and one of my many other jobs. i worked for the CDC, uh, at and a lot of corporations. Uh, The one aspect is that human being is missing from our AI and quality assurance, but it's also like, um, you know, where are we headed with all this? And Mm -hmm. I love change. And changes like death card, I call, uh, in tarot uh, cards, uh, the death card is actually a good card. It means you have to do a complete change into your life. And I encourage people to jump into change rather than just, you know, lay on a couch with a shawl over your head. But it's also realizing, you know, wait a minute, let's take a look at this. We're going so fast. Technology, go, go, go generation. Let's stop and like, wait a minute, we need something. Where's our humanity? Where's the human being and all of this stuff? And, you know, is it going, and especially that robot was really creepy to see that. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know,
0: I got to see that yet. No. Oh yeah. I saw that. Um, I saw that video and there's another video where I think it's like the programmer is talking to her and the programmer is pretty creepy too. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm still kind of skeptical about how d- smart. Specifically, Sophia is. However, I don't doubt they're going to make a 2.0 and a 4.0. And, you know, it's going to get exponentially better and faster, um, really quick. And now with the advent of supercomputers, even we're able to process. Information, Uh, it's going to be at a tremendous speed. It's going to be something that's even fathomable right now. Uh, Essentially, encryption is going to not even be safe once they get a lot of these supercomputers running, and it's only a matter of time. And the the big problem, it is like you saying, it's amazing and it it is really cool because technology was able to, you know, connect us. And we me and you, we wouldn't have ever connected if it wasn't for the internet. And now we're be able to have this interview. And it's it's great. And a lot of the people online I'm able to share it. I've met dozens of people who are really, really great people because of this podcast and the internet. However, it's also kind of separating us because think of it like this. You know, if you go get an Uber or a Lyft or something, a lot of times you just get the Lyft and Uber and then you go and you just hop in. And then you just hop out and you leave. And whenever I, I take lifts, which is very, very rarely, I have to be with someone who does it. I'm always talking to the driver and, you know, like talking like, hey, man, so how long have you been in this? How's your night? And usually they're kind of like, why, why are you talking to him? Or the driver is kind of uncomfortable because it's not that barrier, that digital barrier we built between us uh, so do you have you seen that do you know what i'm saying
2: yeah that's good uh, i call it face to face and we you know we have a choice face to face or face to screen and it's good that, because i remember from the 70s you know more of a, a time when we had like the welcome wagon if you were new to the neighborhood um people around the neighborhood would greet uh greet a new mm-hmm. family or things where it was more oriented towards you know how do we get to know people so i'm really glad that you do that it's more of the you know, holding on to the childlike trust, that's one of the issues that I've seen. That a lot of the homeless, they might have tried to, to, at some point in their life, get together with some people, maybe get a house, you know, many, many years ago before they're living on the streets. But after a while, you get so much of that where your trust is just destroyed, you lose your childlike trust. And I've had issues where I could easily walk away from my childlike like trust and, and stop talking with people and become a hermit. Or And I know some veterans and some people I traveled with recently who have made that decision to live more of a hermit life where they just have no pretty much no human interaction and facebook is pretty much their main source to get out there. I know ma- actually many people like that and they're they're still good people but it's also realizing, you know, like that Forrest Gump movie which I love and I also love Into the Wild. These were all two movies that really inspired me to just get my backpack on and travel the Appalachian Trail, spend close to a couple weeks there and and I just got done doing some of the Pacific Crest Trail. That's part of the reason why I'm here. In this area but it's you know not giving up on that childlike trust and to reach out and say hey uh, you're another human being and I have compassion and my pen name for looking last shatter is my human compassion you know ways that like Tik Nhat Hanh, Dalai Lama and many of the others who really promoted compassion a lot but what is that and it's also uh, one of my favorite interviews that I've done I've been doing interviews about four years now was with, with Dr. Christine Neff who has a website called self-compassion.org. Great website where, you know, it's also about having compassion for yourself. So it's some kind of like a yin-yang of compassion, of being compassionate for others, but also compassion for yourself. Yeah. I I think a lot of people
0: get... Compassion for yourself and self love and self care. I think they get that confused for narcissism or they, they're worried that they're being narcissistic or something because, or selfish where it's no, it's, you're not being selfish. It, if, if you want to help others, you have to be at 100% the top of your game and then you can go out and you'll be able to help others. And, you know, I, as we kind of wrap it up here on the, that whole issue and everything, I think, I always try to bring it back on a positive note, and you did that for me, so thank you. But I think compassion, you kind of said it. I think compassion for others and yourself, like we were just saying, is number one. That's the key um, on trying to fix this homelessness problem. And When you actually see people who are suffering on the side of the road, if you can't have compassion for them, I... I personally I don't know what the hell's wrong with you so you know but um one more thing man before we wrap it up I heard or I saw online you're thinking about running for office huh
2: Yeah that's true I did run for office for president in 2016 and I got some write-in votes considering my budget was pretty good you know I'm, well but you know not really like in the billions it was more like a, 1100 a month has been my budget there's a Chinese coin that says uh, on one side of the coin is crisis and the other side is opportunity. So I've got an idea to start talk shows all over the world, be able to hire local hosts to be able to talk about what's really going on in, in different languages. And, you know, I'm putting myself out as a candidate for Ted Cruz as a progressive write in candidate. I still have till July 18th to do that. I check with the Secretary of State in Texas and uh, still maybe even run for president in 2020 as a progressive write in. So uh, it comes from Kind of like, where's my life going? You know, where's America gone over the last 50 years now? And, you know, how can I insert myself and my love for interviewing and talk shows? And I encourage uh, your listeners and other people, check out some of the videos on the YouTube channel, the Win-Win Internationals. And I've got a book about PTSD called Healed. It's on, you can learn more on the website, Win-Win Internationals. And I've got about 40,000 on social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram. Goodreads as an activist. And, you know, there's still hope. We do have people like Vaclav Havel, who became president from an author activist perspective. He was president of Czechoslovakia, or Czech is what it is now. And yeah. we, ha- and there's, a, I really like the Uruguay president. He actually was in prison for 16 years. He was a freedom fighter, but fighting for the people. And my uh, YouTube and my uh, channel used to be called Freedom Fighters International because I, Salute all the people like the Uruguay president right now. Um, It gives me hope when you're fighting a broken system as a pirate or as a rebel or a beatnik or counterculture. And these are the people like Chris Rock, um, you know, all the other people like uh, George Carlin. I'm a huge Mm -hmm. fan of him. Bill Meyer.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: fighting a broken system. These are luminaries that are really our counterculture people who say, wait a minute, where's our culture going? Let's look at the opposite and you know if you're fighting a broken system and you're a pirate or a rebel you know you're a good guy
0: yeah if it's if it's a broken if it's a broken system an imperialistic system that's unfair and it's not a true democracy anymore then you know you really do have a point it's almost that the system itself is broken and it's it's feeding itself. The corporations and the government are almost in as one and they're just feeding itself to make it more powerful. So, yeah, I, I it's really cool that you're out there, you're talking to people out on the street and getting interaction and actually learning what the actual problems are and what we can actually do to solve them. Because, you know, at the end of the day, people can donate. To organizations, or they can, you know, help organizations, or they can go on Facebook and share posts about homelessness. But really, what's going to help is getting our hands dirty and going and doing the work and talking to people and learning what their actual needs are. So it's really great you're doing that. And um, I know you dropped it a bunch of times. But before I let you go, can you drop your website one more time? So if anyone wants to go check out your YouTube channel and all your books, I know there's a bunch of writings uh, on there that everyone should check out. So what's the website again?
2: It's called win-win internationals, uh, with an S on the end.com and uh, Daniel Roy Barron with one R on most social media that you can find me that way. And, uh, Let's hope for a better future. I think one thing quickly is that in the 1970s, we had peace officers, and now we've become law enforcement who are defending this corporate state, this corporation, yes. this uh, yeah. big entity. And especially now that Amazon's bought out Whole Foods, and you know we're seeing AT&T, we're seeing just, you know if I were to be president, I would immediately trust bust these huge companies. And, and that's, we can get back to more of the mom and pop uh, opportunities where people can compete and things like that, where, you know, helping people. But- the other solution for homeless is, uh, I'd love to come up with a mobile app that would actually have where you know people are offering their house, where similar to couch surfing, but you know you can stay in my backyard and uh, yeah, yeah, my backyard, and that gets people off the streets where it's dangerous or you know, and also that would be a great idea. That's one of you know, couch surfing can be to some degree. That's not really its intent though. That was more to help travelers and and interact, which is great. And I love hostels and I love traveling. I've learned a tremendous amount about other countries. And we start comparing other countries. Certainly there's ones like Mexico that have other, in Africa, nations that have horrible, much, much worse rights records. But we are a first world country. Again, Mm -hmm. I put us up to that standard. And let's look at Holland. And Sweden has a a transparency laws where you can, as a citizen, you can check out what politicians are doing. We don't have any of these transparency laws. And look at Holland where they They've got a handle on their homeless situation. They've got a handle where they, they have good social services. They have free health care, free medical, free housing, and free education. And those are the core to what I would offer. You know, let's have a single-payer system. It's very simple, you know, and let's just make America a country. Let's become like Holland. And we can afford it. You know, why are CEOs making $350 million a year when they could be fine with $10 million, You know, yeah. or, you know, put a cap on what those can and use all that money and end the wars, and end the Federal Reserve, which makes 6% off the entire U.S. money supply. And, and that's on the Federal Reserve website. People yeah. want to check that out. Why should they be making 6% off every transaction in the dollar, you know, in the money system? You know, give that money back into social services, and we can see, we could really see America for the very first time becoming a country. Oh, yeah. And, which you, would that's, great. and that's
0: how we grow our society is by you know investing in our people and investing back like you said how why could a ceo not be content with making 10 15 million opposed to 300 million does one human being really need to make 300 million plus bonuses per year i don't think so so oh uh, yeah I, I agree with you on that but Hey, Daniel. Um, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and everything. And um, I, I, if I would have known you were in San Diego, I would have just said we should just meet up for a live interview. So how about, I know you might be heading out to Texas, and you said you're going to try to maybe run for Ted Cruz's seat, uh, which I wish you all the luck in that. But before you head out to Texas, when you're still in San Diego, be sure to reach out to me. Maybe we'll do another interview, a live interview maybe we can get another someone who is homeless and they can maybe come on the podcast and share their story on another episode, uh, coming up before you head out.
2: Yeah, I'd love to. And, uh, I just put it out for my audience too, that, or, you know, our our audience of people, um, I'll be here at least three more nights. I just, I'm going to the mission beach hostel and that's been part of my journey is in and out of these hostels. And it has been incredible. I can't, complain about what I've learned and the people from all over. Um, but my email address is win, win internationals, uh, at gmail.com with an S on the end. And my number is six, one, nine, um, four, three, Oh, And I, I, just reach out to everybody and that's part of what made my, uh, Forrest Gump in a lot of ways. And I celebrate Forrest Gump, uh, campaign in 2016. I put my number out on the internet and in my email. And I said, Hey, let's work. We can make it better. And, and I, I, you know, and the concept that I was walking into different fast food restaurants or, and telling people I'm running for president and handing out my card and how, you know, so, you know, far from what we're seeing today. And, yeah. and, uh, that's so far removed. And, and so a lot of what I've been doing as an activist politically and, and jumping into this fire pit, and I'm going to, I'm hoping to be on some conservative shows too, cause I want to get slammed. I mean, I'm used to this now. I've, I've talked with a lot of conservatives. So I've seen, I know they are, Ideas and and they're, where they're coming from, and that's a whole other show. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'd love to, Michael. Let me know. I'll be around at least three more days, and and um, you know, it'd be great to connect.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well. Uh, we'll, and we'll do a live. Yeah, definitely. We'll keep in touch um and you're yeah, that would be good. I think you should go on some conservative shows cuz I I have bands on the podcast who are libertarians and conservatives and Trump voters and I have Hillary voters and uh people who aren't that political. So yeah, you got to talk to everyone and that's how we're going to move forward. So awesome. Well, let's, uh, check out one more song. And before I get to this song, like I was saying, we're keeping on the theme of, um, bands and artists who are helping or doing some sort of activist work. And this band, next band, the lead singer, Trevor of Choice Not Chance, he's actually, he works with in the food industry and he had noticed he had a bunch of food waste that they were dumping away every day. So he contacted a few. Few of his local food shelters. He's up in Alberta, Canada area. And now instead of wasting the food and throwing it away, they send it to the local food banks and whatever the food banks can't use, they send that stuff to the local farmers and they give that food to the livestock and the cattle. So that's the type of change that we could do stuff like daniel roy baron is doing getting out there and talking to people and then also people like trevor from choice not chance um actually getting out there and making the change ourselves. and together all of us i think we can make uh, a really good change and make the world a better place so here's a prototype by choice not chance you were born with a silver spoon
3: in hand.
0: Checking out Punk Rock and Politics. If you enjoyed the show and the information brought to you, please subscribe and share the podcast. It helps us here at Punk Rock and Politics, but more importantly, it helps the featured bands gain exposure. Also, if you know any bands or musicians who would like to join the political mosh bit and have their music featured on the punk rock and politics podcast, please email us at punkrockandpolitics at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. And rock on, political junkies. I think our old our society is run by insane people for insane object objective. Doing a better job of talking to each The
4: left hand now knows what the right hand is doing. Look at those hands. Are they small hands? And he referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you there's no problem. I guarantee it.